I'd like to begin tonight, uh, and I don't know exactly how many we'll have, but uh, we'll go ahead and do it anyway. If you are under the age, if you are 12 and under, would you join me down front, please? 12 and under? Just sit all along the stairs on either side. Pretty good for a Sunday night crowd. Lots of good ages represented here. It's kind of fun being up here, huh? You you guys ever been up here before? Yeah? You see the magical screens right there? That's That's how I read the sermon. The faster... I read through that, the faster things go. It's kind of how that works. Oh, I'll show you a cool thing. This is the magical clicker. If everything's working okay, um, this is what advances the slide. Here, you want to try that, Hayes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just rock on through there. Just go ahead and see how it works. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Just, man, we're wanting Hayes to preach tonight. <laughs> cool stuff, huh? I brought you up here because I wanted to share something with you, and I don't know if you know it or not. That is, normally it's my job to teach all of us, but in tonight's lesson, Jesus says that you have something to teach all of us. That's pretty cool when you think about it. And it just got me to thinking what a blessing that you guys are, each and every one of you. That God made you, he knows you, he loves you more than you can ever possibly imagine. And um, there was a time when Jesus was alive, when a bunch of people were bringing their children to hear Jesus. They wanted them to lay hands on, on their children to bless them and to pray for them and heal them maybe. The disciples were kind of indignant. They didn't really like all the kids being around. And so they said, get the kids out of here. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works in the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, you all, each and every one of you, are closer to understanding what it means to be a child of the king than even me. Or some of them. So I just wanted to thank you tonight. Because you are teaching us. And Jesus said that you matter a great deal in his kingdom. Alright. I guess I'll let you go back and sit down now. And i got to re-advance the slides here. Because I'm not moving as fast as Hayes. Sorry. Tonight, we're, as you overheard me talking about with the kids, talking about children. Uh, The world, if you didn't know it, is not a friendly place for kids. I mean, you can start at the earliest ages. I mean, before they even come into the world, the world hates children. When they come into the world, 
the enemy works on them as quickly as possible to grow them up, to shatter their innocence, to remove all the essence and purity of childlikeness from them, to take advantage of them. The world is not a friendly place towards children. But Jesus, as we sang about, loves the little children. He loves all his children. And the kingdom is a place for them. And it's an important place. And Luke highlights Jesus' heart for children. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. I hope you'll turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 Um, verses 15 and following, Luke records these words. We're going to go through several of the gospel accounts. I know our focus is Luke. Luke chapter 18, verse 15 and following. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The first thing I notice in this very short passage in Luke is that the king sees kids as a blessing, not as a burden. The king sings the children as a blessing, not as a, as a burden. In fact, Jesus aligns, obviously, since he inspired and wrote the scriptures, he aligns himself with all of scripture. The psalmist in Psalm 127, verse 3, children, are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. As in our world, children are not always appreciated from the womb. The Scriptures say that children are a heritage from God, that they're a blessing, that they are a reward. Now, if there's any young parents with young newborn Children, you know, they may question that sometimes. Sleepless nights and colic and spit up and all of that of that phase. But it's still true that children are a blessing. Grandchildren, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their father's. I'm not, I can't speak from personal experience, but I understand that grandchildren are an even greater blessing than children. That grandchildren are an even greater blessing than children. Someone once said, if I'd have known grandchildren were so much fun, I would have had them first. Well, <laughs> now go to Matthew's account. Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> and I'm going to read the selections from eight, Matthew chapter 18. I'm not going to read the in, entirety, but starting in verse 2, Matthew says, uh, records this, He called a child to himself, and he set him before them, 
And he said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Skipping on down. I'm sorry, uh, not skipping. Whoever, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. See to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you, their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So it is, as verse 14, the will, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The children are important to God, and certainly important to God within the kingdom. And they have some attributes that I think are important for us as disciples to learn and to understand, to think about, and to apply. The book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 36 and 37. Jesus says, He took a child and he put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to him, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. See, to Jesus, children are not a burden, they are not something of a hindrance. They represent the future of his kingdom. And they represent the heart of disciples. And we're to be childlike, not childish, but childlike in many ways. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Scripture commends parents who are diligent and purposeful and intentional about raising their children to know the king, to know the Lord. A couple of ones that you will know well, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. It doesn't mean that our children, that we won't make our children upset. Sometimes we'll make decisions. In fact, I think good parents make decisions that sometimes don't make their little precious happy. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying, do not exasperate. Make sure that you have a consistent purpose for, their, for your children, and that is this. Above all things, your child, your children, should know Jesus. That one, one purpose should override all other parenting decisions. That your, your heart is desired to see your children in heaven with you someday. Now, parents have a role, children also have a role. Not just, you know, if children choose to know the will of the, fa- the father and the mother, but they choose to disobey it. Well, that, they're, they're not going to be able to enjoy the blessings that you're trying to bestow upon them. But as far as parents are concerned, your number one role is not to create a world-class athlete. Your number one role is not to create a Rhodes Scholar. Your number one job is not to make sure they go to college or provide for themselves or get along in this world. Those things may happen. That's not, according to Scripture, your number one job. Parenting sometimes can be easily overthought. If we would just keep this one purpose in mind, it's to bring them to know Jesus. 
The proverb that is well known, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our number one purpose is to make sure our children, make sure that we train them in the way of the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Make sure your children know the way. The kingdom is, uh, if the king values children, then certainly we would expect the kingdom to be a place for children. And that's the second point. The kingdom is to be a place that's kid-friendly. Now, occasionally, someone will say, oh, I'm sorry, my child was loud or burst out during service. I say, it doesn't bother me one bit. What would concern me greatly is if I heard no crying from children. That's an even worse sign for a church. Now, we provide things like nurseries and training rooms and giant foyers to help with those parenting moments. Those are things we give to you to use. But God forbid that a parent ever decides, you know, it's just not worth it today. I'd rather let them stay home, we don't have to fight, than to go to church and fight the whole time. I've been there. Uh, There were times when I thought I would never actually live to see another entire worship service again. Tyler, I don't know if you remember those days, but I sure do. But you get through them. It's a season. It's not forever. And I contend that it's highly valuable for parents to make sure their children are here. Even if it's a fight, it's a fight worth having. It's a battle worth, it's a spiritual thing. Because the kingdom is a place for your children. And some of their memories from their childhood should be right here in this room with this people doing what we are doing. Understand how important that is? That you don't get those moments back. I think I can share, and I I won't embarrass you, but I, I remember we were singing a song, and when Tyler was younger, I would... He would stand beside me. This doesn't work now because you're a little too tall. But we would stand in the pew, and, and he, when he stood, he was, when we all stood, he couldn't see over the people standing. So I would pick him up and stand him next to me. And for some reason, the song leader recently led a song that he really liked. And it reminded me of this, of this visual. And there was little Tyler, maybe, I don't know, three or four or five, somewhere in there. And he's standing next to me on the pew. And one of the things that, that with Tyler that he did was he, he mimicked the song leader. And so the song leader would be up here doing, you know, what Carl and Brent, and, you know, just doing this whole thing, right? Well, as a little child, he was doing what he saw being done. And so he would sing along just with all, you know, and I realize not something we do in the teen section, right? No, we don't do that now. But, but, but as a young child... He was right here next to me, flailing his arms. I mean, I'm nearly losing an eye. And you know, you know my whole eye story thing. Okay. But he was just, and I just remember that moment as I'm kind of dodging and ducking that it was good for my heart to know that he loved being here and that he got excited about worshiping God. That's a blessing. And someday, Tyler will have his own children 
and bring them to church and go through the same thing. And it will continue from generation to generation. That's, that's what the kingdom's designed to be. The kingdom is designed to be a people and a place where kids are welcome. In Matthew's account, back to Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 13 and 14, Matthew records that some of the little children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him. And I find this interesting. Why is it that the disciples would rebuke little children? Or were they rebuking the parents bringing the children? I don't know. But why would they discourage people from bringing their children? Well, because we live in a world where kids are relegated. They sit at a smaller table farther away. Sometimes we send them out. Sometimes we're, we're, children are at the fringes. They're not important in our world. Children are a, a, a nuisance, a distraction, a, 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 an in-the-way, an obstacle to what we're trying to do. Jesus turns that on his head, and the disciples probably meant well. He says, no. Don't let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I wonder in my own life, have I ever hindered my children from coming to Jesus? I don't mean they've always been with me at church, but have I ever hindered them in, in my life, have I set a poor example? Have I, have I been harsh when I should have been merciful? Have I been unloving when I should have been loving? Have I, have I have talked when I should have been listening? It's a convicting thought for a parent, but, but may we together as adult disciples give great consideration to whether or not we are hindering our children from the kingdom of heaven. Mark records, they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. One of the few places I can recall in the scriptures where Jesus becomes indignant about this point. Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. May we not only make sure that we are not hindering our children, I hope that we will encourage every single parent, grandparent, whoever it is with a small child, to encourage them and commend them for bringing their children. That's important. It matters more than you know. Jesus says something in, in all of these accounts, something to the effect of, the kingdom belongs to such as these. What is it that we have to learn from children? Again, I'm not saying that we all be childish. You know, Jesus, or Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, when I became a man, I put childish things away. We're not talking about being immature, but there are some 
aptitudes within children that we would do well to model. I made a short list. It will not be on PowerPoint, so if you're a note taker, listen carefully. One, children trust without hesitation. Their nature is to trust. Somewhere along the way, we get that worked out of us. As we grow, the, the reason that we get that worked out of us is because trust gets abused. The earlier the trust gets abused, the more skeptical and hard-hearted you become. Children trust easily. If I go up to a group of children and say, I have a puppy that I want them to go see, they'll say, oh, yeah, a puppy. I want to go see the puppy. I may have a puppy or I may have very sinister motives. You see, the world abuses that trust. And children, by nature, are trusting. They have to be. Second, children have joy. Pay attention after we dismiss tonight. I promise that time is coming. Pay attention after we dismiss tonight. As the kids are down here running and playing. Some evening when they're out on the playground equipment. And listen and see if you can count the number of times you hear laughter. It's a beautiful thing. Someone did a study and counted up the number of times that children actually laughed. It's by a multitude of hundreds or thousands more times than adults do in a normal day. Children will laugh more by breakfast than some adults will do all day. Why is that? I think God's given them the innate gift of joy. Children, children do not carry much. That can be frustrating as a parent. When you have a little infant and they pull off their socks and they pull off their hat and they lose their binky or whatever. As they're getting older and older, they, they lose things, they're finding it's always, you know, that's what you're always waiting on as a parent is to find the shoes or find the socks or find the thing or find the homework. That's because kids don't carry much. But you look at adults, we carry a lot. We carry a lot more than we should. I think that's important. I think it's one of the reasons children have so much joy because they don't carry very much. Well, and they shouldn't have to. Number four. Children generally obey without overthinking. Many years ago, I did a sermon, and it was about loving your neighbor and doing good. It was on the story of the Good Samaritan. And after the sermon, I received a text, and it said this. I wish the gospel convicted my heart like it does my children. The first thing when we got home, my daughter said, I'm going to go knock on our neighbor's doors and ask them how they're doing. And she did that for about 30 minutes. See, his daughter, who wasn't very old, was convicted that what she heard in the scriptures was true and that we should love our neighbors. And so she did on her level what she could do to apply that. I love that. Children aren't hard to convince. By the way, just between you and me, this is one of the things I miss about youth ministry. Youth ministry, I'm dealing with younger individuals. And biologically, that just means your brain's not fully mature yet. But something cool about your brain not being fully formed. 
you don't overthink things. <laughs> that can get you into trouble. But if I said, hey, we're going to go on a mission trip, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to go knock on doors, and we're going to tell people about Jesus, or we're going to do surveys, or we're going to wash cars. We're gonna... All the time, teenagers are like, yeah, yeah, let's go do that. Oh, yeah, that's great. I mean, they just, they just went in totally. I mean, they, they had no hesitancy at all in just going and doing. Sometimes in, in big church, we overthink things. We get into paralysis by analysis. If I say Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, we think, ah, you know, we better come up with a program. We need, a, we need somebody, we need a committee, we need a, a deacon, we need, a, what do we, we need to come up with something here, to, some sort of thing. But kids, teenagers... Your gift is that you have the ability to not overthink. And that's important. Too, to, too many times we overthink and under-obey. And that's what I love about kids, is if they've been taught well, they just simply obey. Number five, children believe easily. They just, they just do. They'll believe anything you tell them. And again, that can be abused, but... When it comes to the word, they'll believe anything you tell them, and they'll trust it, and they'll, they'll know that it's true. And if Jesus says, do not worry, if Jesus says, pray for your enemies, if Jesus says, to love others, if Jesus says to do it, they, they believe that a little more easily. Sometimes the older we get, the, the harder we get. Number six, children are dependent. And it's right there on your text. How many dependents do you have? They are completely, totally dependent on other people for everything. And so they're used to it. The older we get, the more independent we like to get. The more we think we can do it on our own. The more lone rangers we tend to have, spiritually speaking. And that's not good. Because tied up with trust and faith is dependence Upon God. Number seven, they humble themselves. Children have to. That's just by nature. In this world, that's their native language. Come here, do this, go, do that. And children just are used to doing that. Adults, not so much. And the last quality I could think of is that children are tender-hearted. We had think about that when we watch a movie. There are things that I watch that I watch, I, you know, it's, it's not necessarily morally wrong, but, but my children watch the same thing and it frightens them. It gives them nightmares or, uh, you know, it, it, it impacts them on a deeper level. Why? These children have tender hearts. And we should too, spiritually speaking. May we, like children, trust without hesitation. May we have more joy in our lives. May we learn to let go and not carry as much. May we learn to obey without overthinking. May we believe more easily. May we depend more fully on God. May we humble ourselves, be tender-hearted in all that we do. May we make sure 
that the church is not the one-eared Mickey Mouse. Now, this is a youth ministry example. I'm not picking on youth ministry, okay? It's, it applies really with any ministry. But there's a book written by a guy called Family-Based Youth Ministry. And he said the difference between youth ministry and family-based youth ministry is that a lot of churches get into here's church and then here's the teens over here. Here's church, here's the teens over here. I mean, they have a whole, I mean, there are some churches, there's like a whole building here for church. Way over here is a whole building here for kids. And way over here in this other campus is a whole other building just for teens. I'm not picking on anybody, but when we're thinking with a kingdom mindset, we don't, we don't want to always separate out kids and teens. We want to do this. We want to integrate. We want to have intergenerational things, prayer pals and, and, and ministry, you know, some of the, the discussion groups. Those are fun when, when Sonny does those where we have just a mix of teenagers and younger people and older people alike sharing and asking and learning together. That those are good things. When we have events ministry in, in ministry where we, we say, hey, bring the kids. Yeah, I know, it's, I know it's not easy and they'll be loud, but, but, but bring the kids because the kids needed to be a part of church instead of just send them out there. It, it requires thinking. It's not easy to do. But we have to find a way to make sure that kids are in the kingdom and that within the kingdom we have a childlike heart in all that we do. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said to be like little children, to adopt those mentalities. And it helps when we have children around to remind ourselves what children are like and the aptitudes that they come out come at so naturally, which we tend to grow out of over time. Take away for tonight, may we bring the littles to the Lord. I realize we have the littles like the family. That's not the, what I mean. <laughs> I mean the littles. Um, may we love children here and all throughout every part of what we do at Northside. May we integrate them in every way, knowing that that comes with its challenges, but loving them because Jesus said they have something important to teach us. Luke eighteen sixteen. But Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for so to such belong the kingdom of God. So my challenge for you is tonight uh, with your children or grandchildren, whether they're with you here or whether you'll see them sometime this week. Children love stories. Adults love stories too. My question for you is, have you shared with your children the story of how you came to Jesus? Of how you met Jesus? Of how he's changed your life? If you haven't told that story to your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren, that is a story that needs to be heard. That is a story that will resonate with them. That's what Scripture tells us to do. I was talking with Sam Corcoran this morning. Sam invited Richard Martin 
to the campus of Wichita State to share with some college students some of his stories as a World War II bomber. Uh, We've heard Richard. Richard's got an amazing story. But what was interesting to me was Sam said this. She said, of my 16 students that were part of that, of Richard sharing, only one of them, only one, can recall ever having heard directly from a World War II veteran, ever. We don't have many World War II veterans left. I was telling Richard this morning, I said, you know, you're you're famous. (laughs) But I told him, that's good for you. That's good for them to hear your story. And in the same way, our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, all need to hear the story of how Jesus found us, how Jesus saved us, how Jesus changed us. If we want them to follow Jesus, they need to know the story of how Jesus found us and didn't let us go. And so in every, every element, may we look for teachable moments and share the story for the purpose of bringing our littles to the Lord. The story is told where the Sunday school teacher was teaching little children about the ark, Noah's ark, the story of the flood and how it wiped out the world. And this was a a young group of students, kindergartners or first graders. And uh, the children were sharp. They were much like our own kindergartners. And as the teacher was telling the story, one little hand raised up. Yes, Johnny. So only Noah and his family... We're on the ark, right? That's right. And no one else got on the ark? That's correct. All the other kids, how come their parents didn't get them to the ark? That was a question the teacher couldn't answer. May we make sure our children are on the ark, not a wooden vessel that floats in water, but a wooden cross that is the only means of salvation. That's what's important to Jesus. matters so much to him that he mentioned it several times throughout the Gospels. May we take seriously the call to make sure our children are in heaven. And may we, who are following Jesus, be more childlike each and every day. Not childish, but childlike. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for being a king who loves kids in a world that doesn't as much, and it seems less so with each and every day. It is good to be of a people who sees the value of the little children. Father, we thank you for your son's example, for his teaching, for reminding us of the, the way in which the kingdom is different. May we at Northside be a kingdom that is intergenerational, that, that takes that mission seriously, that loves children and supports and encourages parents and grandparents. Father, our desire is to, to get as many children and parents and families and as many people as possible on the ark. May we not be neglectful of that mission. 
And we may, may we not forget that it was your mission too. We love you, Father. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us because of Jesus. And it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Tonight, if you have a need to respond to the gospel, or if you've neglected your faith, and it's not as childlike as it should be, and you'd like us to pray with you and for you, we'd be glad to do that. If you have a need tonight, respond to the invitation. It's for anyone who wishes, please meet me down front. As together we stand and sing.